which is a weekly coaching clinic in your pocket. I am really excited for this week's guest. Uh, it is the first time, uh, Coach, this is the first time we have stepped out of the central standard time zone for a guest. So apparently our uh, our, our uh, budget is growing here a little bit if we can afford to call all the way to Ohio here. Um, but I, I, I heard uh, Coach uh, Kwasniak on on a on another podcast uh, right when I was starting this one and I thought if I could get that guy on this is it would be really really good so I am really excited to have on tonight Babe Kwasniak from Villa Angela St. Joseph High School uh in Cleveland Ohio it's it's a sub is it in Cleveland coach yes yes it is it is coach Plum yep we're, we're on the east side of Cleveland Ohio okay on the and Lakeshore Boulevard Okay. So that's a ways away from Nebraska, right? It's it's it is a little bit of a ways away from Nebraska, but that's okay. The modern technology allows for this these type of things to happen here. So, uh, but before we jump into everything with Coach Kwasniak, uh, we of course want to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Cossack Chiropractic, located at one four four five zero Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, just off one hundred forty fourth and Maple. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at Cossack Cairo, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure that a pen and a napkin, uh, tell them that a pen and a napkin sent you. Uh, also give us a follow on Twitter, a pen and a napkin is the Twitter handle. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so please be sure to follow us there. Obviously, with the podcast here, be sure to follow us and subscribe on either SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, download it, subscribe it, rate it five stars, leave us a review uh, so we can get the word out, gain momentum and ratings so that we can help reach out to reach out to as many coaches and educate them as we can on our craft. If you'd like to email the pod, send us an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, anything you want us to address in a podcast, please let us know. Um, again, really, really excited. I heard Coach Kozniak on another podcast a, a few weeks ago, and I thought, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to reach for the stars here and and see if I can reach out and, and track this uh, this awesome guy down. And over the last, what's it been about a week to ten days, Coach? We've been kind of going back with one another and trying to get this settled in. And I'm I'm just super excited to have you on here. Yes, sir. Yeah, appreciate your resiliency. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's an honor to be on. Uh, that's uh, the stubbornness comes from the Italian side of the family. Um, so, uh, you know, I, once once I kind of got it stuck in my mind, um, I, w- I wasn't going to stop and I, until you told me no. And then I just would ask yeah. you again. So no, I, co- I, uh, I, actually, I actually coached in Kansas City, Missouri. I was, uh, for two years, I was a volunteer associate at the University of Missouri, Kansas City mm-hmm. under Rich Savosic, who was a great influence on, on, on my coaching career. And uh, there's just something different about the Midwest, right, Marty? There's just great people. And, um, yeah, so this is an honor. It's, it really is. It's an honor to be on. Uh, I, you know, um, I can't imagine living anywhere else. I grew up about two hours north of here on the Iowa side of the river. Um and it's you know it's been good to, it's been good to my family it's been good to me it's been good to you we're just really fortunate where where we're at here so uh, just want to fill everybody in on your um, on your resume here coach um, 
you've uh, coached for 17 years altogether, uh, a year at St. James Academy in Lenexa, Kansas, like you said, two years at UMKC in Kansas City, uh, one year at West Point Prep School, and then the last nine years is where you've really made a name for yourself here at your alma mater, the, the your, your high school alma mater. Uh, Villa Angela St. Joseph High School in Cleveland, uh, 182 and 63. Uh, you've had five consecutive years of, of uh, finishing in the Final Four in the Ohio Boys State Tournament, uh, two runner-up and three state championships, kind of the every-other-year thing uh, there for a five-year stretch. Uh, so just a tremendous, tremendous uh, program you have built there. Uh, but more than anything else, before we get going with anything else, uh, Coach, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, most of our, you know, our listeners may not know that you are a West Point graduate, that you retired as a captain in the Army, and you know, just for for people like like myself and my family, thank you for protecting our freedoms and everything you've done for our country. Appreciate that. That's pretty awesome of you, Coach Palm. Thank you. Yep. Uh, so, Coach, kind of delve into your background a little bit for the folks that don't know uh, your background. Kind of, you know, I kind of gave the the nickel tour here, uh, but just kind of, you know, where you've come from. Uh, you know, you talked. We, we've talked a little bit about your father and the influence of your father, and and some other things here. So, uh, just kind of introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the pen and napkin could be like, that could be the top, the title of my book someday, Marty. <laughs> I, uh, I was a gym rat, man. I, I grew up, um, my dad was a high school basketball coach, and um, I just, grew, if, there's a, if there's a gym in Northeast Ohio, uh, I was in it as a kid. And um, Back in 1979, my, my dad was part of a program that had a guy by the name of Clark Kellogg. He was a pretty good player. Not bad. You know, it was, it was on, yeah, it was on CBS, on CBS uh doing games now and I just, I just grew up in a gym I was the you know quintessential gym rat and um you know I I, I went to the high school um that I now coach at but when I, when I was there we won state championships in 91 92 and 94 the only year we lost was probably our most talented team um I think we had seven guys seven division one guys on that team but I always say we were very poorly coached by my old man so that's that's <laughs> the only reason we didn't win a state championship that year and then um you know I uh I, I, I had a dream of playing Division One basketball, and and you know, like a lot of five eleven white guys in, in Cleveland, that probably wasn't very practical. And um, you know, the the only two real offers I had, one was was Pete Carell, Coach Carell from Princeton, mm-hmm. and um, you know, back then the Ivy League wasn't doing full scholarships, and, uh-huh. and my parents couldn't really afford it. And the the other chance that came um, to fruition was the other opportunity was 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 the United States Military Academy at West Point. And at that time, um, there was a guy by the name of Dino Gaudio, who was the head coach there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, he's now at Louisville and was mm-hmm. with ESPN. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always, I always thought I was, I was heavily recruited. Uh, that was the absolute further from the truth. I, I wasn't really recruited at all. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, I'd never forget getting a letter from Marty and, and kind of going to my guidance counselor and saying, hey, I got, I got a letter from West Point. And, and her her response to me was, well, don't even apply there because you, you'll never get in. And, and that was like the moment that I decided I wanted to go to West Point. <laughs> and uh, I, I tell folks now when I get a chance to go around the country and speak and tell them my story, um, you, you know, the only reason I went to West Point was was to play Division One basketball. Now, it made me list, Coach Plum, you know, what's number one and what's number 100. One being the most important, you know, 100 being the least important. Um, number one, um, 
you know, was, was, was probably learning how to love my country. And I met my wife there. Everything I have good in my life is because I made the decision to go to West Point. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a hundred being, being playing division one basketball. Uh, we weren't very good there first off. And that was, you know, I mean, but I, but I went to a place where, uh, playing college basketball was the easiest part of the day. Yeah. West Point was, was very hard, especially for a guy like myself. I was, uh, I don't know, you know, how much you know about West Point, but you said you're a history teacher. So I was, I was more into where General Patton was towards the end of the class. My, my <laughs> wife was where General, where Douglas MacArthur was and towards the top of the class. Robert E. Lee. So I, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's another great one. Yeah. Grant. Yep. Um, so after uh, a- after the academy, I uh, I, I, grad- I was a graduate assistant for a year, and then I had to go serve for five years. Uh-huh. And to make a long story short, but but I think it pertains to my bio and pertains to what this podcast you're talking about. I was um uh, I, I I went and I had a chance because Coach Shevsky also went to Duke. I'm sorry. Also went to West Point. He was obviously mm-hmm. the Duke coach, and every year I would work. I would work Duke camp while I was in the Army, and I and I ended up playing for the Armed Forces team after the academy, which is which is made up of, of the best players in the Armed Forces. Mm-hmm. And um, one year I'm at Duke camp, and this is kind of a great this is kind of a great way to start the podcast with with a good story is. I was working for assignments um, through the Pentagon in Fort Lewis at Washington, and my buddies all knew that I wanted a coach. Uh, so they would they would call every day to kind of screw with me, and they would say, uh, you know, uh, Captain Kwasniak, this is uh, this is uh, Denny Crum, yeah, 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 Denny Crum or Steve Alford. So yeah. I pick up the phone one day, and um, I say, you know, how about I help you, sir, man? This is Captain Kwasniak speaking. And I just hear, babe, this is Coach K. And I say, uh, Joe, this is not the day to screw around. I got this report to get into General Brandenburg. If I don't get this report in, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. And he said, No, really, this is Coach K. And um, I said, No, this is not the day to mess around. And then the third time, uh, you know, he used the potty word that I won't, I won't repeat on your podcast. <laughs> but he called me, you know, he called me uh, a Polak, and I, and I, I knew it was him. And I, I just started mumbling. And uh, I said, he said, uh, he said, Hey, I heard you, I heard you apply for the All Army job. Would you be? Would you be okay if, if I made a call for you? And I oh, said, wow. Coach, you making a call for me would, would mean more than me actually getting the job. And I think there were you know two hundred something applications, um, to which they get down to you know twenty guys, and, and mm-hmm. I interviewed and, and got the position. And I think I was the youngest guy um, since him to ever coach the Armed Forces team. I was twenty six years old, Marty. Oh wow! And uh, and Coach K told me at that at that moment, he, he said, and "I'm forty three now," and he said, "This will be the best coaching job you've ever had." And he was absolutely right. I mean, we played Georgetown, Maryland. That's back when, you know, the AAU teams would play the colleges on tours. Uh-huh. And uh, there was just something, just something so very special about guys that, uh, you know, this was right after September 11th where, you know, guys, if, yeah. if they weren't playing for us, were literally getting shot at for their country. Yeah. So just the relationships I made, and plus it was very unique. It was guys that I played with. It was teammates of mine. Mm-hmm. So there's just something from a leadership standpoint where you lead your peers is, is pretty spectacular mm-hmm. in terms of it, it'll really, really mold you and really test you. And that was, um, you know, just an incredible experience. Now I didn't do that full time. So it wasn't like, you know, your tax dollars were, were going towards, <laughs> were spent towards me coaching basketball, but you know, it was a couple months out of every year. And yeah. It was just a phenomenal experience. And once I got out, I, I got out of the military in 2004 and had to get my wife through med school. So I went and, um, Worked in a cancer diagnostics position. I, I worked for a company called Ameripath, where we were as cancer diagnostics and molecular testing, and and I was able to uh, go be a volunteer assistant, like I mentioned, at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, mm-hmm. in, in downtown Kansas City for for two years. And after that, I uh, 
I went and coached at a high school in Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, one, probably the best, probably the best coaching job you know, I've had besides the Armed Forces because I worked with a guy by the name Andy Talicki. Uh, coach, if you're listening to this, man, I, I love you. He's he's now the president of St. James Academy um, in, in Lenexa, Kansas. If your kids are if your kids are in the Midwest, if they're anywhere near Kansas City, they should go to St. James Academy. The culture of that guy, but he's now the president. When I started, he was a coach and athletic director, and I worked for him for one year, and it, mm-hmm. it changed my life. Uh, to be honest, it probably it was probably the first seed. I always thought I wanted to coach in college. Yeah. It was probably the first seed of like, wow, this is this is where you can really impact lives, Marty. And, what what, and what did he it. what did he do that planted that seed? Well, you know what's amazing is, is he was I was the assistant coach, and okay. you, you know the, if you think about it, the best jobs in the world are, are, are well, let's go the opposite way. The worst jobs in the world are when you have no authority and all the responsibility, right? Which is it, what a lot of high school coaches have nowadays dealing with parents. Yeah. But it was basically like, he handed me the clipboard. He said, hey, Quaz, you're going to coach my team and, and I'm going to, you're never going to have to meet with parents. You're not. So it was literally like, I got the clipboard and uh, he took all the responsibility off my plate, but I had all the authority. Wow. And he coaches, uh, it's just his lack of ego. And, and um, I mean, just from dealing with parents to, to, to interacting with kids, to, um, you know, I mean, we, 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 I'm at a Catholic school now. We prayed every day before and after practice. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those guys who, who just walked the walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, I mean, I, and I've been blessed to work with some of the best leaders, you know, in the free world. And General Martin Dempsey, the General Tracy Vestat, the General Brown, who played for, played for Coach K. And, and Andy Talecki is is as great of a role model as I've ever had in my life. And, and I'm sure he'll be, he'll be listening to this podcast. So, Coach, if you're listening, man, I love you. And, and uh, that, was, that was just one year at, at that high school. But that was probably when I was like, okay, you know, I, I can see myself doing the high school thing. Mm-hmm. So I actually got transferred to Cleveland, okay. which is where I grew up, because my wife had a residency here. And I got transferred here for, for my job. And um, lo and behold, there was a um, the, the, the coach that was in between my dad um, – and me, he, he got let go for some. I, I mean, there was something going on that I, I wasn't really privy to. Yeah. And so in May of 2010, I was in that coach at the place where I went to school at, Delangelo St. Joseph High School. And, uh, you know, here we are kind of 10 years later. And, and you know, you mentioned the ride we've had. Um, but, like, uh, what a blessing, right? Like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, and I think a lot of my a lot of my West Point um you know, I just went back for my for my twentieth reunion, and it's pretty amazing because you know just through social media people can track you, and and every single one of my friends, you know, they're just so envious of, of what I get to do because um, you know, most folks that go to West Point are you know it revolves it's the best laboratory of leadership in the world, and and I think if they all if money wasn't an issue and they got to do something you know do something, I think a lot of them would be coaches yeah. at this level. Yeah. So it's it's kind of you know it's kind of ironic too because they'll say well well you know Quaz you're doing such a great job what you're doing with those kids and by the way what does your wife do again oh she's only a doctor you know, she's only a dermatologist <laughs> you know saving lives with with, uh, with melanoma every day yeah so um no it's just been it's just been you know just a just a just a great just a great ride and a unique journey but it's but it's been my journey and um you know just uh just blessed to have the opportunity to to impact lives every day i have uh three or four high school buddies that we still hang out with a lot, my wife and I. And um, one of them told me one time, the, the original plan was I was I was going to be a baseball coach and then kind of fell into the basketball thing. And 
but he always, you know, when we were in high school, he always joked that, you know, I was going to be the manager of the Chicago Cubs and he was going to be the third base coach and all this other stuff. And, and, uh, he, he, he's done well for himself. But one, one of the things he told me, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, he goes, I, I, if I had to do all over again, I'd be doing what you're doing, you know, and, oh. and, and, you know, which I thought was a really cool compliment that, you know, just like you said, the, the opportunities that we get to affect, uh, young people's lives and to help them grow and mature and, and develop into, uh, you know, good people. Um, it's, it's an outstanding, it's a, it's, it's a great job, you know, so, uh, you're, you're exactly right on that one. So, um, so, you know, you've talked about your, your experiences at, at West Point. Um, what, what were, what are two, three, four things, uh, in your, military experience maybe let's let's just go with your west point experience um that that really helped shape you as a coach and and, and shaped your philosophy uh, you know that's a great question i, I mean why like i just like i said I didn't, I didn't play for a very good team mm-hmm. um well, well let, let me rewind i was on well, i mean we i think we finished like seventh or eighth in the country as a senior in high school um yeah. So we were we were we were excellent. We were really good. And when I went to college, it was a unique experience. And, and I'm more in a, a probably a very very unique case study in that I probably played with better players in high school than I did in college. I was right? just gonna so, so. I, I was just gonna ask you. Do you think your high school team could have beat your college team? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but I mean, I played with Melvin Levin. You know, played for Coach Huggins in Cincinnati. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah uh, I remember him. You know, and yeah, I mean, and Huggins and, and Coach and my dad are, are great friends and. And Hawks would say all the time, I'd say, man, you never recruited me. He's like, well, it worked out okay for you. I mean, you know, <laughs> the West Point degree ended up treating you pretty good. And, uh-huh. um, but, I, you know, I think the fact that you, you learn a lot more about yourself, Marty, when you're getting your butt kicked. Sure. Right? You're, oh, that's exactly and, right. And, and, we, and we weren't very good. And, and we, we played Duke and Ohio State. Um, you know, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I may have won 40, 40 games, you know, in four years there. And mm-hmm. At the time, I was the only two-year captain to, to ever go to West Point. And, uh, you know, there's something just very um, humbling about, um, you know, about, about about getting your tail kicked in. And there's just, you know, a whole lot that you learn. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know in terms of West Point, in terms of basketball, I think um, – my experience in the army mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, being a, being a uh, officer for five years. And, um, you know, if, if, when a college coach comes to one of my practices, they always say, well, you know, your, your practices look a lot more like a, you know, like a, um, like a, like an army training exercise than they do about high school basketball practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just so many things I think that we do to emulate, um, you know, what I, what I learned in the army, you know, for, for example, um, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the things we always talked about in the military is you have to train the way you fight, right? So uh, if, 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 if you're going to, you know, get ready to go to war, you want to train with, with live bullets as, as much as you can, just to learn, you know, learn safety, learn caution, you know, learn muzzle awareness and those type of things. So, you know, we always try to make training hard. So then obviously when we get battle, it's a, it's a little easier. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I run my practices the same way. I mean, practices are, are very arduous and, and therefore like hey we're going to be on you we're going to push you you know we're going to make you uncomfortable huh. to an extreme so hopefully you know when the game comes that you'll be um you know you, you you will be you'll be comfortable being uncomfortable and one of the things i, I was just at youngstown state last week and i was telling one of their assistants one of the things we do all the time is, is we echo commands yep. so meaning you know and everybody talks about that but how do you actually really put it in practice 
and you'll come to our practice and we'll call a set or we'll call a drill. And as soon as we call a drill, everybody will repeat it and then they'll run and, and, do, and do it. And, and I told our guys, like, hey, um, if we can't do it in front of a quiet gym, gym, and everybody talks about communication, but if you can't do it when it's quiet here, how do we expect to do it when we're playing in front of 15,000 people for the state championship at, uh, at the Schottenstein? Mm-hmm. And I think when you, when you communicate and you verbalize what you're doing, um, what happens is on the best teams, and I've been a part of some of the elite teams, some of the elite infantry units, you get so good, Marty, that you don't even have to say anything yeah. because you know what the other person is thinking. And I think that's, you know, it's one thing to, um, it's the one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing, you know, to, to, to do it. And that, that's a great example of something that, that you know, you come to our practice, you'd be like, wow, right? That's just a whole other level of, of echoing commands. Is it almost like a deal where you've communicated it so much that you don't even need to communicate it anymore? I mean, you're still going to communicate it, but you could, playing devil's advocate, you could get away with not communicating it. Does that does that question make sense? No, it makes it makes total sense. Yep. We, we, we we can't even practice that in Ohio. We, we don't start until November second. So right now we have open gyms, mm-hmm. and one of our rules in open gym is is if if when a team scores, if five guys don't call out the score, um, it doesn't count. And the way we do the reason we do that is threefold. Number one, I feel like these kids aren't as competitive as we were growing up on the playground, and you know I want everyone to compete. So if we're calling out the score, number two is that way it just it just negates all complaining. So, okay, if we call it the score every single time, then it's – then number three is we're working on those that echoing commands. We're working on uh, – you know, I have, a, I have a really good point guard who's really skilled, but he's quiet. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to teach him a real big piece of leadership is the, the, there's a reason the mouse is not the king of the jungle. There's a reason that's the lion. Mm-hmm. And I've asked him, why is that? Because, well, it's because the lion's the loudest. It, it has the roar. And, you know, therefore, we're trying to take what's a perceived weakness and turn that into a strength. And, and you hear many times, right, uh, a quiet gym is a, a losing gym. gym. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Yep. I came across a, a, a quote of yours. Um, you know, this is a little bit different. A lot of a lot of the podcasts I've done so far, it's people that I have, you know, relationships with. But you and I, this, you know, we, like I said, we've just been talking for a week to ten days here, just lining this up here. So, uh, but I found a great quote of yours and and uh, your military service and and where you're at in your in your work life per se, away from basketball, uh, is very much involved with you know, you're part of your basketball personality as well. But I saw this quote that you had where you said, um, I don't think of myself as a coach who used to be a soldier, but rather a soldier who now coaches. And I thought that was a really great quote. You know, you know, how do you, how do you think of yourself and what did you mean by that comment there? Sounds like I filled it off a commercial. Who wrote that for you? Yeah. Um, you know, Coaching is tough nowadays, Marty. I mean, we just talked about how great it is. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing how much has changed. I mean, I've been doing, you know, I've been doing the high school for, for 10 years now. It's amazing how much has changed in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I was just tweeting tonight that I, I heard a, a specific scenario where a, a kid complained because the cross-country coach was pushing him too hard, like telling him to run too fast. And he went and reported the coach saying, this coach is – you know, basically bullying me for you're a cross country coach and you're getting the kid. So hey, what we do is this is hard, uh-huh. right? And um, you know, I think 
I mean, it's going to sound like I'm being, you know, it's going to sound like I'm being counterintuitive. It sounds like I'm, I'm contradicting myself. Uh, but, but I don't know how much I love coaching. Um, but I know I love the kids I get to coach, right? And, and mm-hmm. like we, like we, when like we talked about at the beginning, I, I know I love impacting lives. I, I know I, I know I love that. And for every day that you have where you know you don't reach somebody, um, you know I, I think the when when when, when, you, when you can when you can change one kid's life, um, no matter how bad you know it may seem, or um, you know I I, I uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I told you earlier, um, I was just named the civilian aide for the Secretary of the Army in Ohio, which I'm, I'm the young, at the 43 years old, I'm the youngest one. So the, one of the first things I did is, is I actually get a coin with my name on it. They're called military challenge coins. And the first thing I'm in the process of doing right now, Marty, is I'm writing every single person who has impacted my life. Wow. And, you know, and I still, I mean, I didn't know I told the Coach K story. I still need to send Coach K's his. I thought I was going to see him last week at a retirement. He couldn't get in because of high winds. And I know it's a private jet. I know a tough life. They've lived at Duke. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, I'm in the process right now because, because if it weren't for every one of those experiences, you know, I know I wouldn't be um, who I am or where I am. So, you know, I just try to be that person for so many people that were that person for me, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and and, my, and my, my, my story is, you know, and I know it's pretty unique, um, but everybody's story is unique, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. got their own path. And, and um, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just so important to, um, you know, to, to, to not only, you know, not only care, but to push kids, right? And, mm-hmm. and I mean, Coach Gaudio who's at Louisville now, I mean, I, I, I tell him all the time, I said, coach, you'd probably go to jail for some of the stuff you said to me nowadays, right? Like, oh. it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even hold up. Um, but, but if he didn't, Marty, I, I would have never made it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't tough enough. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't mentally tough enough. I wasn't physically tough enough. He, uh, I was actually, I told you, I, we had a West Point meeting. I was back for a football game and there was an upperclassman who, who his only job was to kick the crap out of me. Like, he literally brought him to practice. He said, okay, this guy is, you know, 145 pounds soaking wet, and he's not tough enough, and you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to just, you're going to beat the crap out of him. And, uh-huh. and, um, and I'm a, I'm a, I was a better player for it. And at the time, uh-huh. I hated him for it. Yeah. Right? I, I hated him for it. Um, and, and I think we're, we kind of fall in the trap where, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of coaches, you know, we'll try to be these, we try to be friends with these kids. And a lot of parents, I think, already fall into that trap and try to be friends with their kids. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, hey, I'm not saying, you know, you got to be, you know, you got to be this tough, unmovable object. But um, that, that's the beauty of leadership is is finding whatever works for that person. And the way it was described to me by a general officer one day is probably the best leader I ever met in my life. He said, you know, like some people listen to rap, some people listen to country, some people listen to gospel, um, but some people listen to R&B. But your job as, as a leader is to find out what they listen to and make them dance. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always tried to, I've always tried to indulge that. I've always tried to absorb that. And I've always tried to, you know, make the kids that play for me. I try to make them figure out what makes them dance. One of the things I, I think um, with 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 the instant uh, society today, um, you know, you got to have everything right now. You get the Twitter right now. You get this right now. You you know, you know, Patino called it the microwave society. Um, but, you know, people don't think that, you know, today this really sucks, but 
you know, not not five days from now, not five weeks from now, not five months from now, but five years from now, I'm really going to appreciate this experience or this person being tough on me. And, and we just don't have that same lens to look through, you know, and I think that um, sometimes with with people today, uh, we don't um, we don't want to. Uh, go through the bad stuff. We just want to have the good stuff and we don't want to be, sometimes people don't want to be challenged. Like one of my things, my mom would tell me from time to time, uh, I lost my mom when I was real, really young. I lost her when I was 22, very suddenly. Oh, wow. um, Sorry. Uh, you know, it's been 20, 24 years or so. It's, it still stings every once in a while. But anyway, um, she told us, she told me one day, I was probably about 16 and just throwing a teenager fit, you know, like teenagers do. And, but she said, I love you enough to tell you no. And that was something that always stuck with me, that true love is being a little bit tough when you need to be tough with somebody. And I, and I think that that's at times forgotten uh, in, in, in dealing with, with, with some people from time to time. You know, what do you think of that? Well, you, you get up at a, you get an auditorium at West Point your first day, and they say you have 90 seconds to say goodbye to your family. And the attrition is so great that they all tell you, look to your left and look to your right. You know, one out of you know one out of three you may make it. You know, and, and a chance two out of three you may make it. Mm-hmm. That, that's how that's how great the attrition is. When I was a, a seventh grader. You had to weigh. You had to weigh. You had to weigh a hundred pounds to play to play pee wee football, mm-hmm. and I had to get a waiver signed by my parents because I didn't weigh. I didn't weigh enough. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I, I was like, I forget what. I mean, I was something ridiculous. I was like seventy nine pounds in seventh grade or something. Just I, I saw I saw a picture of you in high school, and you, <laughs> you and as I was doing research for this, you and I yeah. looked very similar in body type uh at that time so i can relate to all this stuff that you're going through (laughs) we don't want to commiserate for everybody else listening but maybe sometime privately you know we could talk about that so yeah so i so i came home and i uh i was getting you know i was gonna snack it out of me i came home and i told my uh i told my mother i said uh you know i decided i'm not gonna play football anymore i'm sick of getting tackled and, and beat up she said that, you know, that's okay, it's your decision, but you need to tell your father. And my father was a high school basketball coach, but he also worked for AAA. Um, he was a vice president there. Uh, he worked for 30-odd 30, 30 years there. And he came home that night, we're eating dinner, and I said, uh, Dad, I made the decision that I'm not going to play football anymore. And, and he said something that changed my life. He said, that's fine, son. Where are you sleeping tonight? And I learned from that moment, you know, in my life, and people have asked me, how would you make it to West Point? Well, it's like, okay, um, you know, I could fail out, which a lot of people, a lot of people do. If you flunk two classes in the same semester, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could, you know, I could be removed for the military grade or the physical grade or the academic grade, but but quitting just wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was the reason most people left is because they just couldn't take it. Yeah. They couldn't deal. I learned at an early age that that was not an option. Yeah. Um, and there's a difference, you know, in failing. Um, but the only way to, to truly, truly not make it in something is, is to quit. Yeah. And failing is just, you know, an opportunity to just get down and get back up. And mm-hmm. and, and that was why I made it. I mean, I, there were a lot of people smarter than me. There were a lot of people that were better athletes. And, and I, I mean, I had no military experience. 
Um, but the one thing, uh, you know, if, if I can, I still think my dad to this day is, is you know, he said, you know, you're a quasi, I can, and quasi, I'm not allowed to quit. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when you talk about that microwave society, uh, and you just look at the amount of transfers we have, right? 700 or whatever it is at the division one level. Crazy number. Crazy number. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunately is, you know, that lesson that my dad taught me is it's not being taught, um, as much anymore. And, and we just, uh, you know, we, and I know you mentioned social social media, and, and I can't knock all of it because, you know, like I told you, in terms of my job as a civilian aide, like I don't know if I had that job without without my social media presence. So it's, sure. it definitely has its value. It's the information age. It's great to keep track of people's kids. It's great to get all this information. It's great to, you know, get get plays from a pen and a napkin and be able to, you know, draw it up on Friday. But on the, the other end of that, the antithesis of that is it's also a society where I just don't know if we're resilient. Mm-hmm. And, and I know the leaders in the Army are dealing with the same thing. Sure. I was meeting with, was meeting with um, General Brown right before he retired. He was saying, like, you know, a lot of times soldiers would tell you, hey, I'm really struggling here, sir. Now, now they'll just, you know, they'll kill themselves and, and you'll, find a, you'll find a suicide note. You know, and it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's disheartening. And it's something we, I think, as leaders, that we're just, uh, I think, we're tasked with finding the answers here, Marty. And, yep. and, and you know, and, and and to me, I think a big reason is the depth of the relationships. Like uh, here, you ask me my background, and I'm just, you know, I'm getting on this podcast, and you've never heard of these people, and I'm saying that I hope they're listening and that I love them. And I think now with social media is. is these young folks have relationships that are miles and miles and miles. I mean, a kid from California could talk to a kid from Nebraska, at, yep. you know, right like this. But the problem is the depth of the relationships are shallow. So they're miles and miles wide, but they're about an inch deep. And, and I think that's the difference. I've just been blessed with so many people in my life. Um, and I don't want to bore you too much, but, uh, you know, my Army story was and I suffered from PTSD to, to a point was suicidal. And... Um, you know, if it went for people loving me when I probably didn't deserve their love, uh, like I, I probably would have been one of those statistics. And, um, you know, and, and I'm not because of the depth of those relationships. Okay. And that's the concern I have nowadays, even in my even in my civilian aid job, because, you know, we're not equipping the soldiers with those with those relationships. So yeah. when that time comes, do they feel like they have somebody there that loves them so much? You know, that, that don't know it, the world won't be a better place without you there. And, and, and we went through this with you and we're going to be here and love you no matter what. And, um, you know, and it's not, that's just not, that's not a microcosm of the military. That's society. Sure. Right. I, yep. You look at, you look at mass shootings and you look at, and, and who's in the front line of all this coach Plum? I, I think, I think those coaches are, Yeah. I think we're, you know, we're the last of the Cowboys, we're the last of the Mohicans where, <laughs> you know, we're really, um, we're in touch. We spend every day with these young men and young women. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I challenge all the coaches listening to my podcast. Like, you know, you think, you know, your kids get to know them more. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, get to know, get to know their fears, get to know their, you know, get to know their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be, be more than, uh, you know, be more than the person who's drawing something up on a napkin trying to win a game. Yep. Right. So try, try to, try to, uh, you know, try to have them win at life. And a lot of times, um, you know, your job in having them win at life is is to put so much belief in them that when they reach their darkest hours, that they're going to call you. Yeah. You know, and they're going to say, hey, coach, I'm really struggling, man. You know, I'm, I'm going through this divorce or I'm, I just lost my job or, you know, I am thinking about taking my own life. And, and to have just such a strong relationship where, 
you know, where they, where they want to lean on you. And, and I mean, that's, that's what I try to do every day, Marty. Yeah. Well, speaking of love, and and you you threw a little tough love story out there. Uh, we we've had I've had a a guest or two on that that coached their kid. Uh, I had a guest on um, that was coached by their father. Um, but you are coaching with your father, and your father is one of your assistant coaches. Uh, what's that been? What's that experience been like for you? You know, especially since he was your high school coach at the place that you are now coaching at and now he's the assistant coach and you're the head coach at the same place that you guys yeah, had those experiences. Sophomore oh, okay. Too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, so my, my, uh, my, uh, my father, who is his grandfather is the worst parent I have. But, um, my dad is, I'm, I was gonna you, say you can't, you can't hide your phone number from that parent. Uh, he's a legend in Ohio. <laughs> he's forgotten more, that I have, that, that, that I've ever, will, will ever know about the game. I mean, we've, uh, we've had a bunch of guys be recruited. We've had McDonald's All-Americans and every coach that comes into our gym, Marty, the first question he asks is, you know, how, how's your old man doing? Or anytime they see me, they have, they ask about my, you know, whether it's Fat Mata or John Gross or, like I said, Bobby Huggins or, um, you know, they're, they're always asking, or Fran Freshoa, uh, they're always asking about, about my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, now having my, you know, watch, watching him interact with his grandson, uh, my son is, you talk about a subspecialty, my son plays four sports. He played, he was, as a, as a freshman, he was MVP of golf and cross country in the same season in the fall. Wow. And, and then during his free time, he's got a, he's got a 4.7 in all honors classes. He got straight A pluses. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're kind of a, we're, yeah, we're kind of a case study here for, you know, in terms of just family and, and, and achievement. And, um, yeah, so that, that part's been, that part's been, um, been, been really cool. I, I fire him at least once a week. Um, <laughs> you know, like we, I, I think, I think we, when we love, you know, we sometimes take for granted. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I know I could be, uh, I could be, it's almost the opposite. Now I could be hard on him cause I know I can. And uh, sometimes I'm, uh, you know, he's, I think he's, he's 78 years old now, and sometimes I'm almost too hard on him. He, he listens to every podcast I do, so he's listening to this one, and uh, he knows he's my hero. I'll be choked up even just just talking about him because everything I have in my life is due to my dad and, and what he's taught me. Uh-huh. And um, you know, beyond, uh, I mean, my, my, my dad had a line, Marty, that I, I, I would I would urge every coach to steal this. He he's always says he says you may not win every race, but you'll always be my horse. And he says that to all us. He says that to all us. Any kid that's ever played for him, and and um, and he says that to our kids now. And it's something I I, I my, my son's very high achieving. He's he, he just ran a he just ran a a five k in seventeen fifty. He shot a seventy one in golf this year. He's just very high achieving and, and almost pushes himself too much. I mm-hmm. uh, you know, have two West Point parents at, at ten speed. My, my wife and I should have never been allowed to breed. <laughs> I tried to tell him. I said, you know, you, you don't you don't you don't have to win. To, you know, to, to be my to be my horse. And, yeah. and uh, it's something. My my dad always. We have a chapel service for every game, and and we always we try to talk about being a father, being a husband, being a Christian. And when my dad goes, he always says the same thing. He says, you know, if you love somebody, you shouldn't go one day uh, without telling them that, without telling them that you love them. Mm-hmm. And he still, still talks about his ex-players, and they'll, whether they hit him on Facebook or, you know, on Twitter or text, and they'll say, hey, coach, I, I love you. And that's something I, I try to put in practice as well. One more um, 
just kind of general thing here, and then we're going to do a little pivot, and we're going to get into some real real basketball nerd stuff here. Um, you know, you've been fortunate. You've you've been able to rub some elbows with uh, some, some really uh, – you know, high achieving basketball people. Uh, one of the things that I saw was you've, you've worked, uh, Steph Curry's camp multiple times with the Under Armour and that type of stuff. What are, um, from your observations, what are two or three traits that separate that mindset from the, the, the mindset, you know, the, the mindset just below that, that, that takes, the Coach K's, the Steph Curry's, those type of people to that next level? Well, I'll go from a player standpoint because okay. Steph's the one that I use every day. That The first year I went, I remember thinking like, um, I remember thinking like this this guy is just, he just outworks everybody, right? So yep. and if you think about all the great ones, right? You think about Kobe, whether it's LeBron, the way LeBron takes care of his body, um, you know, if you don't work hard, uh, that doesn't guarantee success. But if you don't work hard, like, you don't have a chance. Yep. I mean, working hard, right? I mean, so so I remember the first year I went, I just remember, like, this guy. And this is before he won MVPs, Murray. This was before yep. he really hit it big. I mean, before was, he became Steph two, Curry. Correct. This was 2014, right? Yep. You know, I mean, even when he had his camp, we bought the 20 best players in the country in the camp. And he said, listen, I was not one of you. I wasn't a top 100 guy. My my dad begged Virginia Tech to take me, and they wouldn't touch me. And I went to Davidson, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. Is just just an uncanny work ethic. And and, and I've often said, so many of my kids, uh, how many kids have we coached? All of us coached that. Ask yourself this question: How many kids have you coached that work as hard as they think they do? Right. So if you if you got in a room and said, "Hey guys, raise your hand if you don't think you work hard," I mean, come on. How, how many how many high school kids would raise their hands? Yeah. It wouldn't be very many. I know in my experience, I've had one, maybe two kids that work as hard as they think they do. And and I know in my own case, like, okay, how many have worked as hard as I did? Mm-hmm. And I just can't really say that there, there, there are many out there. Right? And now times have changed too, Marty. Let's not get it twisted, right? Sure. Like, now it's like you got, you know, personal trainers and, and strength trainers and yoga trainers and mental trainers. And, yeah. you know, and, and my, my, my good friend, Coach, Coach Collins, Coach Doug Collins, says back in, when he was back in his day, those were called assistant coaches, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. now these guys are getting paid. So that was the first part. The second year I went back and, and he was doing like a lot of the ball handling stuff and a lot of, and, and it made me realize like stuff's a freak. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean that, like, from an hand-eye coordination standpoint, it's one of the best golfers. I mean, I don't know if you have any golfers out there listening, but I love the game of golf. Um, Steph, he's just, he's, his hand-eye coordination is – so, you know, the, probably the most underrated thing is talent, which you have no control over. And, and again, I said they all are – you look at all the great ones, they all have just this uncanny work ethic because you can't make it without it. Yep. You know, the other thing I'll say is look at all of them is they all have – some type of superpower, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and I and I think because of Steph's physical stature, um, I think that gets probably overlooked. Or they're like, oh, he's just a guy. No, he, he, he's believe me, his hand-eye coordination is is. I, I mean, I, I think I mean people forget Del Curry was a 
I mean, he was a college baseball player at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think, like I think Steph could have been a pro golfer. I think he sure. probably could have been a pro baseball player. His hand-eye coordination is, it, I mean, is as great of an athlete as LeBron is. And I mean, does anybody argue that LeBron would be, as, you know, an all-pro in the NFL? Yep, yep. And it's, you know what I mean. So it's oh, yeah. the same type of thing. Is is so it's just an understanding that you know that that's um, now now the one the gift is you can't control. Uh, but the second piece is is how hard you work is something you you, have, you absolutely can't control, and and I know this is pretty well known now in the public, but um, the first workout I ever had a chance I, I was say did with him I'm sitting there rebounding for him, which rebounding for Steph Curry is the easiest job. <laughs> he you got to stand in one spot, <laughs> and and he always ends every workout by swishing five free throws, and um, I learned in the army you don't accomplish anything of substance by lowering your standards the day i was there with him he was having a hard time doing it mm-hmm. and and i remember thinking to myself and i actually turned to the under armor guy who is a, a guy by the name of chris stoney chris stoney was the one who moved him to nike to under armor and i remember saying to stoney i said stone so what's going to happen um you know if this doesn't get done like are we going to be here all night and he goes and it's a similar thing that's not an option yeah. Like, so basically, like he is not going to leave until he swishes five free throws. And, and this was at this point, um, Steph had just went and played on like the nationwide for golf. So he was, I mean, he hadn't picked up a ball. I mean, it was after the NBA championship, and he hadn't picked up a ball in a couple weeks. Yeah. So he was struggling. I mean, he was yeah. really struggling. But I, I thought, man, what a um, what a commitment to excellence. Like, okay, this is my standard. And I mean, you know, and, and the testament of that is, and the life is, hey, you want to get stronger? Like, give yourself a goal. In the army, we used to at West Point, we used to have a thing. Like, every, before you, every time you take a shower, you had to do twenty-five push-ups. And then by the time you were a first team, meaning a senior, you were doing a hundred push-ups before every shower. Uh, I mean, if you if you always hold yourself to that standard, you cannot help but to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those were, you know, that was like the, the greatest lesson I think um, in learning from him. And a third one I'll give, which is probably the most important because it goes into a big culture thing that I talk about, and hopefully we'll go into that more, is I always talk about, you know, I, I love to, my, 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 secret to, my secret to success, Marty, is we build leaders at Bill Angel St. Joseph. So, you know, we, we build leaders, and then those leaders um, are, are the ones that lead us to success and lead us to championships. I don't. And in order to be a leader, I think the most important thing you have to do is be, is be a, first you have to be a great teammate. And the only way to be a great teammate is taking another step back because you gotta, you gotta be coachable. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like, um, that dude, Steph Curry is like, I was blown away by, you know, him with his trainers, him talking about Coach Kerr during film session. Uh, he, he is just so in tune to other people making him better, and he is so open to coaching. And, you know, he learned that somewhere. Um, uh, I mean, he learned that from Del Curry, you know, from, from his parents. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, it just shows even at that level, uh, if you're going to make it, nobody does it alone, and, and nobody does it without a certain level of coaching. And I don't care how good you are, you have to be open to that if you, if you want to improve. Yep. Um, that's so many good things out of that um you made that question make look make it look like i was a really smart interviewer or something like that because there was that was some really good stuff here so uh well like i said coach we're going to pivot here a little bit our, our loyal listeners know we we uh have a, a kind of a pivot point in the podcast uh and we pivot with the don meyer quote of the day 
my personal goat as far as um, coaching heroes, uh, Coach Meyer from uh, Lipscomb in Northern State. Uh, and I thought of this one um, today when I was putting together everything, finalizing everything. I thought of you with the military background and your emphasis on culture and leadership. And, and feel free to borrow this one. Um, because I borrowed it from Coach Meyer. So uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day, an army of asses led by a lion will always defeat an army of lions led by an ass. And I think there's, I think there's, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, you know, uh, and it's ironic when you, when you talked about the lion and the mouse earlier, I was like, how did he know we were going to talk about lions later on? You know, so <laughs> that's pretty good. So, but uh, that's the Don Meyer quote of the day. So, um, Another uh, one thing I have to ask you about. First thing I'm going to ask you about here, and this also plays into the the karma of today. I, uh, like I said, I was doing research on you. Um, I found an article where you talked about how you won. I can't remember if it was a state semifinal or a state final, where you took a play with you and Fran Fraschilla that you wrote up with a pen and a napkin. A pen and a napkin. And so when I saw that, I'm like, that is going in just for mere marketing purposes right there. That Coach Bosniak out in Cleveland, look at this. A pen and a napkin was used to win a high-level game. Check this out, Marty. Check this out. So that was at Steph Curry camp. We were in Oakland. Yep. Um, It was 2015. So I, I had a really good team that in 2015. We 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 took Oak Hill over the Warrior, had him had him down 14, lost by four. Bad bad coaching, but I think we were we were as high as fourth or fifth in the country that year. Won a state championship. So the next year I lose like 99 percent of my offense. Like everybody was yep. saying, you know, VASJ won't even have a winning record. They're going to be awful. Yada yada yada. Um, that summer. Coach Priscilla's thing was, and, you know, of course he loved he, Captain Quaz. He said, Captain Quaz, you prepare for war during peacetime. Like, this is – so he, he, he took this napkin, and the other guy there was um, Sean Brown, who was Steph Curry's high school basketball coach at Charlotte Christian. Okay. So hopefully that – I'll get that knucklehead. He'd be a great guy for you to have on, on the show because he's a Definitely. tremendous human being and, and uh, he's just a tremendous role model. But Coach Michelle said when he was at Manhattan, he had a play. He named the play winner, and um, you know it was, it was a play basically. It was a play basically set up to get you know to put your rebounder in place, you know, to get a tip in. And um, we're playing in the district finals. And so you fast forward on whatever it is, a couple months. And this is March tenth, two thousand sixteen, and we're playing in the district finals. We're playing the number one team in the state. Um, uh, and they a team that if we played, if we played, you know, if we played ten times, we'd be, you know, we'd be maybe once. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were, they were just much more talented, well coached. They were just, a, you know, it was a, just a packed gymnasium, probably as good of a high school basketball game as they've ever had here in Northeast Ohio. And the irony is, is um, so back and forth game, back and forth, back and forth. It's on the five point four seconds. Um, I have a kid now who's playing at the Citadel, point guard. So we're down, we're, we're down one point. And um, for, uh, I think 4.8 seconds left, and we get up and we, we draw, you know, we draw a winner on the napkin that Coach Rochella, 
um, you know, that Coach Rochelle gave me. All week, Marty, we worked on the play. It uh-huh. did not work one time. <laughs> it did not work. It, it yeah. did not work one. Wasn't wasn't it wasn't it like a full court play? Like you were underneath full the opposite. Court play. Yep, yep. Yep. So full, so full so court so court think play. of it like a like a, a Leitner versus Kentucky. You got to go ninety four feet. Yep. And, and we're throwing the ball. You know, we we we, we hit we hit our we hit our the best wide receiver on our football team, we throw it right back to our, our screaming quick point guard. And again, we ran it, we ran it, I, I, I'm not even exaggerating this, probably 16, 17 times, because again, I'm, that's that's the, that's I hate the word perfectionist, but that's the, we're going we're gonna to do this till we, till we, till we can't get it wrong. And Attention to detail. Yep. And, and yeah, and, and our point guard, Gene Higgins, who I, I nicknamed the water bug, like the water bug, about three or four times, passed it off to a freshman. I go, you know you're supposed to be the man, and you're gonna you're gonna like you're gonna let our season rely on a, on a freshman. And sure enough, he came to the bench, and we you know they were dejected. And I think this is where this is where coaching in life comes into play, right? It's just getting kids to believe in themselves. You know, believe in them when they don't probably even believe in themselves. And his head was looking at the ground, and and, and I looked at him, and I just I, I made him, I picked his chin up. I said, "We are going to win. This is like this is perfect. Like this is perfect." Mm-hmm. And I let you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run it. And and, and he looked at me, and, and you know, and, and Gene said, "Waterbugs have coached, and that didn't work all week." I said, "Well, it's gonna it's gonna work now." Mm-hmm. I said, "That's why that's why it's gonna work now." And if you actually look, I've actually posted on Twitter before. We we it's I, I don't want to say. I lost my mind because he made the layup at the buzzer, and I went and tackled the kid. He was an all-state, <laughs> all, an all-state running back. Um, so Coach Rochelle was just going nuts because you can see me sprinting <laughs> and, and full, like it's the fastest I've ever run in my life. And I tackled the kid because Marty, I wanted to be the one to tell him, "I told you so. I told you it was going to work." Uh, you know, I, I told, and it was. Uh, it's just one of the best memories. I'm, I'm so happy you know you brought that up, and and that, that's such an important part of coaching is. Is I really believe that you know the whole pen and napkin concept. Like if you're drawing it up in the dirt at that moment, you've probably failed. Yep. Right. Absolutely. You have to train the way you fight, and yeah, I, 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 you know, I never, never like trying something for the first time when it matters most. Mm-hmm. Right. You gotta, and that that is that the attention to detail in me and in, in, in the profession that I was in. If we did something wrong. Um, somebody would lose their life, and that's something we were never able to negotiate with. Yep. So we have to be just so pristine um, with our attention to detail. Um, you know that uh, that there's you know you're leaving no doubt in terms of execution. Now, hey man, it's it's, it's sports and it's competition. You're going to win some, and you're going to lose some. Yep. And that was just uh, one of the most amazing memories. Even just even just a call coach for sure that night. Just and I'm like, man, wait till you get on Twitter. You are just not going to believe this. And, uh, you know, of course, he, he was he was firing it all, all over the place. And, and I think, uh, you know, even all his time at ESPN, like that was that was that was a proud moment for him. He, he, he grew up um, when he was a coach at Ohio University and then Ohio State. He recruited my dad. So he was always and that's how I got invited to Steph Curry camp, because when he was running it, you know, they were looking for they were looking for four high school coaches to kind of oh, very cool. you know, be pillars around the camp. And, you know, he thought of me and, and knew my background. And yeah, so I ended up, and we're still I actually just talked to him tonight, man. So I, I'm, I'm going to make sure he listens to this podcast, Marty. Oh, that would be know, great. I would I would love it. I would love it. He will go on there for, for, for I know that for a fact. Um so if, you, if you'd ever love to have Coach Fischel, I, I know he would definitely go on there. Oh, I would, I would, I would love to have. It. I love listening to him on the uh, the telecasts, and uh, he's really good on the NBA draft. You know, evaluating the uh, uh, the foreign players. You know, that's kind of one of the niches yeah, that he fell into. All, and they're all they're all a year away from being a year away. Right? <laughs> so, so, so Coach Fran, you, you 
we're now locked in for a pen and a napkin. We, we've already got you committed here. So if, when, when you're listening, you, you're, you're going to be the next guest. Congratulations you, to you. You're already stretching my payroll here, leaving the central time zone. I don't know if, if TV personalities fit into this. I might have to find another sponsor or two to help well, me out. Well, so. listen, to me, listen to me, Coach. Like, Coach Priscilla is, like, with, 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 you know, the name of this podcast, he is the – he is just the biggest basketball junkie, biggest basketball savant. Um, he, he, this is he. He loves this stuff. This is kind awesome. of what he lives for. He loves, and he tells me, man, you got you got to share it. You got to you got to expand it. And um, you know, he's just been. He, 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 that's that's what he loves doing. And I, I mean, I'm sure you've got a chance to you know hear him on several of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been blessed just to be mentored by him and, and to learn from. him. And uh, he always he always tells me when, like, he was like the thirty fifth all time leading winning as coach in the NCAA or whatever it is now thirty eighth or sixty fourth or whatever he is in history. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I'm like, man, coach, you definitely coached enough places. You were a pro man, and you yeah. definitely coached enough places. Yeah. Uh, one of the great lines coach told me is, you know, he coached he coached uh, World Not a Piece, coached Reiner Test at St. John's. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he always tells me he says, you know, when you when you coach a crazy guy. They've got to know that the coach is crazier. So he said, Captain Kwasniak, you're always going to be in good shape with coaching crazy kids because they're always going to know that you're a little more nuts than they are. Well, that's uh – that's uh, I, I forgot. Yeah, he was at St. John's for two or three years. And, uh, yeah, they – and then uh, – uh, who was uh, Jarvis took over for him? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, that's yeah, that's that's. I'm ready for the Marty. I'm biased, but I think he's as good as they get on TV. I wish. Oh, he is really good. More of the big time games. I know he does a ton of the big twelve games. Maybe when Trey Young was, you know, was at his pinnacle on, at Oklahoma, it's almost yeah. felt like Fran at every game that he had. And yeah. he is. He's, he's tremendous. Well, doing doing Big Twelve, you know, and you get to go to places like Fog Allen and Hilton Coliseum, and that's 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 still a pretty good gig, though, too. So um, that's 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 really cool, though. I saw that, and as I was reading through the stuff, I was like, I gotta ask him about that. You need to uh, when when we get done, you need to uh, send me that clip so I can I can see the play and put it in my own little journal here. So and Coach Fran has been just as we talked about before when you talk about being you know being a life mentor I mean I told you about some of the PTSD stuff I went through and um, you know and Kobe listened to this and again I'll try not to get emotional but Coach Coach Michelle saved my life um, he was just somebody who um, you know if it weren't for him I, I might not I might not even be here talking to you today like that's uh, I mean how big of an impact can you possibly have right Marty that's, oh, that's a pretty big impact so you know it's not only just about um, the fact that the guy won me a, a basketball game well according to him he won me, he won me a lot more than one basketball <laughs> game but um, you're talking about a guy who, whose mentorship has just meant it meant everything to me and um, I told you about how much my father's meant to me but, sure. but coaches he's just the best well you know Kind of, you know, we we are so fortunate to be in this fraternity, and um, you know, like even when I was young, like I said, I was I was 22 when my mom passed away, and but I was a student assistant at the college that I went to, and I had uh, even as a 22 year old, I was still an undergrad, just being a student assistant, and I went to a really small college um, in Sioux City, Iowa, uh, but the people that reached out to me in that situation, it was just uh, it was just such a gift, and and. Uh, you know, it was, it was, very, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, it was just a, it was just a, such a blessing. And it kind of, you know, although it was so difficult when, when I had time to have perspective, you know, it made me think, it was kind of my first thing of coaching's a lot more, it's, it's a lot more than winning and losing. 
um, and that type of stuff. It's it's about being part of that community, that fraternity, and cre- creating those relationships with your peers and things like that. You know. And, and here's the thing about this game that we coach is, and I I'll take this from Coach Frischella. I'll take this whether it's whether it's Fran Frischella at St. John's or Doug Collins with the Bulls. You know, or, or Babe Kwasnick at Bill Angel St. Joseph and Coach Krzyzewski at Duke, or uh, one of my buddies, Nick Vento, who's an eighth grade coach at Valley Forge. It really isn't much different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, um, yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of the fundamentals and what you're teaching, and um, I mean, I don't care what level you're at. Uh, you just I mean, you're getting paid a heck of a lot more for it when you get up a yeah. You know, when you get up in that upper echelon, but. You know, I mentioned that name, Nick Vento, is a good buddy of mine in Valley Forge. I mean, I'd put that guy up to, I'd put him up to anybody. And, you know, he teaches history like you do, Marty, and just in turn, I tell him all day, I mean, you're, you're creating Americans, Bull. You're, you're, you're making, <laughs> you know, you're making these kids into, into great Americans, which is which is more important than making them into great basketball players. And, and, yeah. and the level is, I don't want to say irrelevant, but I'll tell you this, if you can coach, I mean, you know, I mean, my, my, my coach, Dino Gaudio, he started in high school. He, mm-hmm. he coached with Skip Prosser mm-hmm. at, at Wheeling Catholic, and, you know, in, in, in Wheeling, uh, West Virginia. So it's 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 pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty common throughout. But if you can coach this game, you know, your Brad Stevens is another great example. Like yep. you can coach, and, yep. and the age is, is kind of irrelevant. Yep. Well, I can I can speak for your your history, buddy. Uh, as as his, history teachers, I'll be honest, we do do it for the money. Um, <laughs> so, well, well hey, yeah, he, he lives for the Cleveland Browns, so he he, he, he lives for a whole different purpose. So. <laughs> well, there, we won't we won't get into professional football because you probably won't like who I cheer for probably right now because they're they're winning pretty handily the last time I checked before we got on here. So, um, I want to ask you, um, you have a, a, a unique perspective, and, and in a way, um. You know, I, I when I was coaching, I did not achieve the the number of, of uh, state championships and that type of thing. But the the school that I'm at, I think from what I know of it and kind of what we've talked about a little bit, it's it's very similar. Uh, private school, um, you know, in a bigger city, a lot of success. Not only in basketball, but it sounds like you guys have a lot of really good things going there, as we do at the school that I teach at. Um, how how have you uh, handled the success let's let's start with that how have you handled the success because i think some people think well the success that's the easy part you know that's the way it should be but there is such a thing as there there is such a thing as having to deal with success and handling success um what have been some of the quote-unquote challenges of handling the success that you guys have been able to uh, get to so that if any of our listeners are fortunate enough to kind of get the, the wins and the accolades that you guys have gotten on the court, you know, how do they sustain that the way you guys have been able to do that? Well, I would answer that by saying, first off on, on, on a micro level, you know, find out, find out what motivates your players. Uh, my dad found out about me at a young age that if you told me how good I was, I wouldn't be as good. Mm-hmm. So he would find up, he would find ways to tell me I wasn't very good. And I, I mean, I still live with that chip on my shoulder and I would still make stuff up in my head that, you know, people are saying this about me and they, they probably didn't even say this about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you said it best. I, I did not handle success as nearly as well as I handled adversity. And maybe that was the West point in me. And maybe that was just 
Um, you know, I was never very, I was, I mean, never very smart. And I made it through there and I was never very athletic and I played division one basketball. So I just kind of had, I always had to have that chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, I think I just reached a point in my life where, um, I said, I, I had to judge, you know, myself and judge our program. Uh, we had, we had to be held to a higher standard than just winning. Like winning, winning was never, um, you know, I don't want to say the goal, and in my social media, I, you know, I use the hashtag winners win, and I think a lot of people confuse that with like what the scoreboard says. Mm-hmm. No, when, when I when I'm talking about um, win, winners win, I'm talking about competing in every single thing you do, Marty. Yep. You know, whether it's with the books, um, and again, I told you about you know my son because he's a great example. Uh, like he just doesn't know how to not go hard in whatever he's doing, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think it's just you know holding yourself to a higher standard. And saying, oh, okay, like what we did in the past, it, it just doesn't matter, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then the only way to to achieve something, um, you know, is, is 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 to look forward and not look backwards. And and what I would do with my teams is I would tell them, like, yes, we we were great last year, but but I've never won it with you guys. I've never won it with with this team. And that was something um, we would talk about all the time, right? It wasn't when you got in the state tournament, you needed to win seven games. And and every um, every time I would say, you know, we're not going to go seven and zero. We're going to go one and zero seven times. Yep. And you know, it's cliche and it's coaches talk, um, but, but it's, it's, truth the truth. Be, it's the truth. It's yep. the truth. It, it, you know, it is the truth. And um, you know, like, and again, hey, like I told you that story about the game we won when the kid hit the layup. I mean, if it's that game, we needed 20 things to go right. Uh, but I've always believed if, if you outwork everybody, you you increase your chance of success greatly. That's something, you know, Coach Mata taught me that. Mata, the old Ohio State coach, he said, you know, you, you should always do – you can always do one more thing to increase your chance of success. You know, it's true on the battlefield, and it's, and it's true in practice too. I mean, you can always do, you know, kind of one more thing to, to, uh, to increase your chances of success. So on the flip side of that well, – Oh, go ahead. Well, no. let, me, let me just, and, and you know, I, I was actually joking about that was select director tonight, Elvis Gerbach. I was like, you know, um, I don't know what winning has done for me inside Bill Angel St. Joseph. And, mm-hmm. and I was just joking because my, I went, I went to my office tonight and it was turned into a closet. I guess all our chairs are now in my office. So <laughs> I guess I don't want to have I, I said, I cannot name like one single benefit. Now, you know, I think it's, I've been able to go on podcasts, and I think from the outside basketball community, I've been very well respected. And sometimes that's the hardest part, Marty, is, is you know, that, like with success, um, you know, there, there comes jealousy. There comes, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have, and you're going to have people you know, hate you, um, but they hate the Yankees. They hate Duke. Uh, I mean, they hate the Patriots. And I, I think it's, you got to get to a, to a point where you understand that, that, that that's a, um, that's a luxury and that's an honor to have folks that are, that are rooting for you to lose. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that's something where I, I think is always, I've always trying to, you know, kind of push to our kids is we, we want to get to the, to the piece where, where they don't like us. And our kids are from a tough neighborhood on the east side of Cleveland. I was going to ask and, you and kind I, of your, your, you know, where do your kids come from and, yeah, and that and, type of thing. And, and, I, and, and we, we're on the, we're on the, we're on the corner of 185th street and, in Lakeshore Boulevard, and I quote, I've heard Coach Bobby Hurley say this about St. Anthony's, and it's very true with our kids. Our street runs right through our school, meaning, you know, these are they're, they're street kids, right? So um, most of them, you know, I've never had anything handed to them. And, and um, the biggest thing we fight as high school coaches on a daily basis is we fight entitlement, right? We, we yeah. fight the belief that everyone owes these kids something. And I tell them every day, it's 
probably the most important thing I teach them. Your teachers don't owe you anything. Your coaches don't owe you anything. And this is going to blow your mind. Your parents don't owe you anything. And the only way to truly combat that is to be thankful for what you do have. Is to wake up every morning and thank God for, okay, this is, this is what I do have. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I look back on my career, and if you said, okay, what am I what am I most proud of? Well, it's not the fact that we went to five state championships in a row and, and won three of them. It's the fact that I've had eight guys serve the armed forces. And if they did that, that means they believe in being a part of something bigger than themselves. And selfless service, to me, is the biggest form of gratitude. And that's what I'm the most proud of. What are... Uh... What are some ways, you know, like you said, you talked about you guys win a lot, so people get jealous, and you're under, uh, you know, a little, as, as, as high school teachers and coaches or educators or uh, whatever phrase you would like to use, we're all under a bit of a microscope, but because of your success, you've been under a little bit more of a microscope, perhaps, and, and you probably have been, you know, criticized unfairly for like you said you know you put a hashtag winners win but what some people may read into that is totally different than what you intended for it to be you know um what are what what would be some advice for that you have for coaches that may be you know dealing with parents that are hypercritical or you know when you have that success you know people are your your peers are jealous or things like that what are some things that you've learned to deal with with that side of success as well unfairly and fairly marty i'll just go ahead and make that disclaimer because yep. humility is never I'm, I'm, I'm working on it every day it's something I, I probably need to you know i need to constantly consistently work on um so and, and i'm okay with that i'm, I'm i mean I'm, i know myself and i'm self-aware enough to know that hey sometimes it's going to rub the wrong people the, the right you know the wrong way and and you got to be okay with that. I uh, I was just up at the I was just up at DC this weekend at the Marshall Award, which General Dempsey won. He was he was Obama's chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, just an incredible, incredible leader. And one of my friends that I ran into was a guy by the name of Scotty Smiley, who lost his vision um, in, in Iraq. He, he was uh, there was a roadside bomb, and to make a super long story short, he, I mean, he literally had part of his brain sticking out of his head and. Um, completely lost his vision, hundred percent. And at the time, he was in Walter Reed, slamming chairs against the, you know, and just. And, and uh, he actually had a, a um, Billy Graham's grandson was a chaplain, and he came and he kind of saved his life and put it back together. And he's a, he actually wrote a book called Hope Unseen. And if you had a chance, anyone listening, it's just an incredible book about how he kind of climbed back um, in, into having, you know, into having faith when here's a guy who completely lost his vision. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, he commanded a battalion afterwards, and then he actually even um, uh, ran an Ironman completely oh, wow. blind. Wow. And one of the things he says, and he, he actually said it to me this weekend, you know, when I asked him how, how he made it through it all, he said, you know, he said, Quaz, you – your vision has to be greater than other people's doubts. And, you know, like other people, they know I can't see, right? I know I can't see. But but my vision uh, and what I believed in um, is, greater than my, is greater than my doubts. And that's something I, I think, um, you know, whether I even realized, you know, we were doing, not I was doing with our program, uh, you know, empowering our kids, empowering each other. 
uh, empowering you know coaches and assistant coaches to to build you know to build build relationships and, and not be you know not be so insecure where you think you have to micromanage you know every relationship knowing that you know different people are going to click in different ways uh, but that'd probably be the best advice I can give right if, if you yeah. have a vision and you believe in your vision uh, I mean it's kind of silly to let someone else's doubts you know get in the way uh, of that vision and heck your own your your, your vision's got to be greater than your own doubts because mm-hmm. lord knows we've all had them i've had them oh yeah <laughs> right there's been times where um you know even before we won our third state championship i'm like man i just don't know if they want me here and i don't know if if uh you know if i'm welcome here anymore and and i went here i went to school here but you know as it says it's kind of on its course is it time to go do something else and, uh, but at the end you know like for me um which is, I think, this is one of the most important assets of any leader is just have have a vision, yep. right? Tell us where we're going. Tell us how to get there. Uh, tell your people how they're doing, right? And then, and then, most importantly, tell them what they can do to help to help to help get us there. How important is selling that vision? Well, I, I, I said, uh, I mean, even in the, in, when I was in the army, uh, I. Um, I worked for a, I worked for a, as a sales director for for nine years, and I managed a forty nine forty seven million dollar book of business. And uh, I told people like I, I was never very smart, made it through West Point, was never very never a very good athlete, and I played Division one basketball. Selling was the only thing I could go and do and be pretty good at. And um, and and people in the army sell a lot more than they think they they do because you're talking about hey every day we hear that question why are we over here sir what are we doing. And you think about it for 18 years now, we've been in Afghanistan, and now I'm presenting a geopolitical discussion, but yep. man, there's times where I question, like, okay, what are, what are we doing? What, you know, and, it's, um, when we got to, to, to 9-11 this year in my classroom, and you know, I, I feel especially responsible to really educate my students about what happened um, and what led to it and all that stuff. You know, I, I make sure, come hell or high water at the end of the school year, we're spending three days talking about everything that's around that. But this is the first year that I will be teaching kids that none of them were born before nine 11. That's crazy. You know, isn't that insane? And, and for people like you and I, you know, we, we remember it like yesterday, you know, I'm going to put Marty Plum in my Nicholas Vento category. Then I'm going to put you up in the great American category. (laughs) Mr. Plum, coach Plum. I appreciate that, buddy. That's thank thank you for doing that. Thank you for educating our our folks. It's just, it's very important. Yeah, I mean it's it's extremely important. So thanks for doing that. Oh, not a problem, not a problem. I, I think it's important. So my dad's a veteran. Uh, he served in the in the uh, early '70s in the Air Force and stuff. So it, it runs sorry, in our family as well. So uh, sorry to hear that about the Air Force. I'm sorry you had to play for the JV team. <laughs> tell, him, tell, him, tell him I appreciate his service nonetheless. Uh, yeah, you know he he got to do uh, he got to do the honor flight. Uh, a week or two oh, ago, wow. um, and uh, my my stepmom was uh, uh, really proud of him for for doing that, and he and uh, I know he had a great experience with that. So, um, coach, a couple more things about your program here. Uh, let's finish up on a couple more basketball notes. Um, what are some some unique things that you uh, and, and you've talked about leadership and that type of stuff? Um, you know, kind of describe your your style of play. Um, and I, and I realize as high school coaches, we're not like a college coach that can recruit players to, a, to a system and that type of thing. But, uh, what are some things that you've done X's and O's wise, uh, that has been really successful for you? 
Well, let me let me go back into into the, into the you mentioned the leader part. So I, I would urge all of your listeners, and maybe this maybe this seems elementary, maybe it's something they've done. Uh, but in business that I worked at, I, I worked for a great boss by the name of Michelle Zwickel. She works for Thermal Fisher now, and, and we had a mentor program in business. Meaning, so every every new hire that came on board, they had somebody that was responsible for their everything everything that they did marty mm-hmm. so uh, i do i've done that my program now and we've turned that into and we turned that actually into a leadership award so all of my seniors will get you know or upper class and will get a freshman and when the freshman comes on board like okay so now you're in charge of um from something as simple as okay uh, this is what you should eat um in the cafeteria i was about to call a mess hall <laughs> this is you know this is the teacher that okay you probably probably don't want to you know push to this extreme anymore this is the homework assignments you don't you know if they're juggling balls this is a, this is a rubber ball this will bounce up this is a glass ball you, you know you're you know when, when you're around coach don't say yes yeah, say yes um you know when you're around in the public and you're around alumni take your headphones off because they're going to want to talk to you coach is going to uh, with our culture we, we, we like to communicate with our alumni the, the mentor program for me has really really given our kids ownership on being the leaders and um, on my best teams my kids were the best leaders if, uh, again I was at a college practice last week and a team that I think is going to be really good and you know they just had me observing from the outside and I said well my concern is the two voices I heard the most were the coach and the assistant coach yeah, and, uh, and I feel like for any good team, the players are, you know, so and who they are, I should be able to come to that gym right away. I'm stealing this from Coach Rochilla. Number one, I should be able to come to the gym right away and say, okay, what do these guys stand for in five minutes? And, and the other thing I should be able to get is, okay, I should, I should be able to pick up the leaders. In five minutes, as a West Point graduate, as a former uh, Army veteran captain, uh, like it should take me five minutes to pick up the leaders. And if I'm having a hard time doing that, uh, you might be in trouble. Yeah. Um, to, to answer the second part of your question, Marty, in terms of style, and that's the fun part of coaching. Sure. So folks ask, you know, like I've played zone, I've played man, I've played fast, I've played slow. Um, I am, you know, probably uh, organized in OCD. Um, uh, like, you know, I'm ADHD. I read magazines from the backwards, you know, from the back to the front. Uh, but that's the fun part of coaching is that's the part I enjoy. Like I'll wake up at two thirty in the morning and I'll say, okay, uh, I can't go back to sleep. I'll get the clipboard out and draw this up. Like, yeah, that's this might work. Well, it's you know, let's, and, and the reality is, as a young coach, the only way you really learn is you make mistakes, and you screw up. Mm-hmm. And I told you about the Andy Talicki, um, and, and that that coach that I worked for. I, we were, it was it was my first year coaching high school, and we had no upperclassmen. So like, um, I think you know we were all sophomores. We were a, we were a, we were a, a game away from making it to substate in Kansas. Would mm-hmm. have been it would have been it would have been epic. And I ran an out of bounds play that cost us a five second call. I mean, here I am. You, know, you mentioned it. Seventeen years later, three state championships. I think about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see Coach we go play golf, like I literally want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we were, we were at his house at like two in the morning. Isn't that amazing? That, I'm like that was his chance and he trusted me and he believed in me and I'm like man coach you know, I, I blew it and it's it, it's amazing like that still hurts more than that hurts more than any of the other ones feel good right because I can't oh. stand losing as much as I as much as I like winning we um, we, we had a situation uh, my third year of coaching I was still in college um, and we, everything fell into place 
um, we went undefeated in the regular season at the collegiate level, which I don't care at what level you're at. You go undefeated in the regular season, that's almost impossible to do. I mean, and, and we were really, really good. Uh, we made it to the national tournament undefeated. We played a team that we had beaten by 30 points in the regular season um, in, the, in the Elite Eight, the game to go to the Final Four, and we lost by four. And it's been... 22, 23 years, something like that. And I, st- I still have not watched that game because I even think about it. And, and, and I start, I, I'm not, I'm not kidding you when I say I tear up a little bit because it was just so difficult. And, and like I said, I was just the student assistant and I was really, the guy I worked for gave me a ton of responsibilities. I wouldn't have had the career that I've had so far in coaching without Mike and all that other stuff, and uh, but still, it's been 22, 23 years, and I've still never watched still that stinks. game. Yep. Yeah, my, my, the, the hierarchy of Duke camp was the first year I was there, I, was, I think I was like a second lieutenant, and I, they put me on the outdoor courts. It's like 107 degrees. Steve Orzanowski and Chris Collins are, you know, they're, they're counselors there, and they're, they're making fun of me because I'm outside, like, sizzling. <laughs> and I, and I, I think I had, like, the defense. I had, like, fourth graders, and I'm out there just, you know, firing them all up. And, and I'll never forget something Coach K said to me. He said, he said, hey, you know, especially knowing that we're, I mean, having the West Point thing in, in, in common, he goes, he said, your, your energy is going to turn a lot of people off because they're, they're going to think it's fake. They're going to think it's not genuine. He goes, but it's, it's absolutely who you are and, and don't let anyone else define you know, your success. That's so true. And don't, don't, yep. don't let anyone else define your style. So when my teams play, I mean, you know, there's no shot clock in Ohio. So, uh, I mean, I've had coaches tell me, you got to go to the pack line, but we, we play on the line, up the line, because my personality is, I'm not going to let you even throw a single pass. Like, we're going to, we don't do anything, uh, and that's just a lot of my personality, Marty, is, is I don't yep. do, um, you know, anything, uh, and maybe I'm not as pragmatic as I should be. I'm not, um, but that would be, you know, I think that's great advice for any coach, is you know you're gonna have you're gonna have you know role models and I just mentioned you know Coach K is a huge role model of mine. I, I'm nothing like him in terms of I don't dress like him. I don't you know I'm not as calm as him. Uh, you know and that's okay. I think you got to be comfortable in who you are. And we've heard you know the, the best teams take on their coach's personality, right? And, yep. and, and a lot of times um, you know I, I always want my teams um, to play harder harder than anybody. I always want my teams to have more passion than anybody. Uh, I always want my teams, you know, we're going to, there's going to be times when we're going to, if we go down, that's okay, but look, let's go down fighting. Yep. You know, let's go down, let's go down scrapping. And that's been really good for me. Um, I think where I see coaches get in trouble, and I've seen it especially at the college level because when you feed your families, I think it, it just adds a whole other dimension of anxiety and stress that you don't have in high school. But I think when people try to be somebody they're not, that's where I see a lot of folks, you know, kind of get in trouble. And, um, you know, I've seen it, you know, and, and I know in my own career, I, I shouldn't throw stones, Marty, in my own yep. career, when I try to be somebody I'm not, that hasn't worked very well for me. And yep. I've normally paid the price for that. Um, yeah, especially when you're younger and you, uh, I went to a coach's clinic and I saw Mike Dunlop speak. Uh, he's now at Loyola Marymount. He was the coach of the Hornets for like a year and he's kind of been all yep. over. And I was just enamored. I thought, God, this is the smartest guy I've ever seen. That's, that's who I want to be like. That's how I have to talk. And I tried it and I sucked at it. I mean, I was just <laughs> terrible, you know, and, and it alienated some of the players, um, because I was trying to be something that I wasn't. 
you know, and, and I, and, and it took me a while to recover their trust. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, I got, I just got to be me because I'm trying to be like Mike Dunlop and he's awesome at what he does. Um, but that's not me, you know, and. And the converse of that is also true. At West Point, you know, you have the hierarchy there and freshmen are called plebes and plebes can say four things when they're, when they're a plebe, they can say yes, sir. Or ma'am, no sir or ma'am, no excuse sir or ma'am, and that takes excuses out of your life. Or sir or ma'am, I do not understand. So you can only say those four things. And what happens is, you know, you, you have you know you have cadets that are hazing, and you have cadets that just, and you can learn just as much from that leadership. I learned just as much from, hey, I will never be like that. I will never treat another human being the way that person is treating that person. Yeah. And I think when it comes to leadership, Marty, we get so caught up, I think, into thinking, okay, this is the way you have to be. This is what I have to emulate and venerate, where there's there's a lesson to be learned on the antithesis of that, too, where, okay, you know what? This is this is the wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to demean. You know, you can still be demanding and not be demeaning. You can yeah. still, you know, push kids. You can still, um, I mean, because what's, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing we do? The most important thing we do is inspire kids. And I think people think, oh, that's the rah-rah, win-win for the Gipper speech. Inspiring is just getting someone to want to do anything. Yep. You know, whether it's to give a defensive stance or do their math homework, right? And, and, and that doesn't mean – inspiring doesn't mean yelling. Yep. I mean, sometimes I think the great coaches can inspire somebody by looking at them, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm going to get somewhere and I'm, I'm going to look at a kid and they, they know they're wrong. And, oh, okay, like that, that that's – that can be inspirational. Yeah. Sometimes the simplest thing you can do is just pull a kid aside and just say, I believe in you. Go out and make a play. You know? And that can go farther than almost anything else sometimes. You know? And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, a, a big part of it as well. Um, last thing here. I wanted to ask you, obviously you've had a lot of individually uh, talented players and, and those individually talented players have bought into the team concept. Uh, but what are some things that you guys do uh, to develop uh, those the, those players uh, maybe in the off season? What's kind of uh, some workout things that you guys do to, uh, what are some things you emphasize in your workouts to help develop uh, your players uh, from a skill concept? Well, we have, um, we have a retreat every year. I'm thinking like bigger picture now in terms of leadership. So we have a retreat every year and before the, before the season, and we, we define roles, right? And it's um, we have a program, not a, not a team. So like when we like even when we vote for captains, I take the captain thing as like the biggest thing because that's the leader of our team. And we'll do we, we do a weighted vote. So the freshmen's vote counts for one, sophomores two, juniors three, seniors four, and then coaches five. Um, so, okay. you know, to be, to be voted a captain is, is a kind of a big deal where we come from. Like I talked about, we do a retreat where we'll say, we'll, we'll make a kid say, okay, here's what I think my role is. And then we'll, we'll let, we'll open the floor for coaches to say, no, no, listen, you think you should be taking 30 shots. You should be, you shouldn't shoot. There's a reason you're open all the time <laughs> or, or something, you know, or, or, or something of that nature. Um, and we're constantly, uh, as I talked about, we're constantly talking about a being coachable. Um, I had a kid that played at Northwestern a couple of years ago. He's over now in Italy, and it's like the biggest compliment someone can give me is when, when Coach Collins calls me, Chris Collins says, man, like, I, I could yell at Derek to get on other kids because he's just so coachable. Kid by the name of Derek Parton, he was all Big Ten. Uh, and that leads to, you know, being a, being a good teammate. It's just we harp on that all the time. Like, to me, you cannot – because here's my thing, Marty, is, is – being a good teammate is going to last the rest of their life. 
and whatever they do is just so critical for them to be a good teammate. And I, you know, I, I go back to my armed forces, armed forces, uh, you know, my, my time in the armed forces. I had, a, I, had a, I had a teammate by the name of Noel Goodrich, and uh, his nickname was Nine because he'd been shot so many times, <laughs> shot at so many times that he had nine, that he had nine lives. And, uh, and and I remember, you know, even going to the trials with this guy, I'm like, man, this guy is he's a few fries short of a hat. So like, this guy is he's insane. Yeah. And um, you know, that was my first impression of Nine, and still to this day, like every phone call I have, I'm like, oh, he's almost got me in tears because that that dude just did whatever we needed to do. We, we, we want, we want, I want to go better with him playing, and then I want to go better with him coaching. And he was nowhere near our most talented player. As a matter of fact, when I make my teams, I say, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right ones. Yep. And Noel Nine Goodrich was like the epitome of what I was always talking about. And he was my team captain. And, you know, if a kid got out of line, like he was, you know, he was such a great leader that he could fix it. He couldn't be a great leader, Coach Plum, until he, until he became a great teammate. Yep. And that's just such a, you, you cannot, you can't skip that step. Uh, you cannot be, you can't lead a basketball team until you're a good teammate. Like it's impossible to be a bad teammate and then lead your team. It's just, it, yep. it's just not going to happen. Yep. Right. And, um, you know, I think that's something, um, you know, some, something we work on, I mean, all, I mean, basically every single day. And, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of development and basketball, I mean, you know, AAU has become such a fixture now and trainers have become such, such a fixture. Um, you know, if you don't beat them, join them. I, I have a kid with me, Raleigh Smith, who I think is as good of a trainer as there is. You know, he coached with me. He's my associate head coach. He's, he played it. You know, all of our guys, you know, pretty much played or have some affiliation with our school. And, you know, he, he's, he's incredible, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of skill development. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's the, when we talk about being a leader and not just being a coach, you know, the, the best part of it come the winter time is, is getting to get these guys to act as one. And that's the biggest challenge nowadays because we're individualizing a team sport constantly. Yep. Oh yeah. You that's know, a great with, point. With the, rank, with the rankings and with yep. the mixtapes and, uh, I mean, it's just getting to the point. I mean, look at the NBA. Like mm-hmm. they just talk about, you know, players. Like, I mean, they talk about players more. Than they talk about you hear way more about LeBron than you do the Lakers. Uh, I mean, I think my boy steps into an enormous year as he should be. But like, you know, there's something to be said about there's something to be said about chemistry and, and the Warriors. And you know, who knows? I mean, you know, Clay and and Steph's going to have the green light this year. So, so maybe that works out better for them. You yeah. don't know until until you see it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you, you got to have the right ones and not and not the best ones, and, and that's that's the beauty of the sport. And let's face it, the lower level you go, I mean, I think in the pros in a seven game series, the best team with the best players normally always does win. Yep. But as we get more and more, you know, down towards our level, um, you know, you can beat really really good teams with less talent by by just playing the game as hard as you can and and playing the game, you know, playing the game as a as we like to say as, as a military unit and watching each other's sex. Coach, this was an absolute pleasure. I, I knew I was, um, if I could get you on here, um, I would be uh, over the moon thrilled and you have not disappointed. And, and I hope I, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this as, as much as I have because I... I disappoint my wife all the time, so I really appreciate you saying that. So <laughs> she's disappointed right now, waiting for me, waiting for me to lie down this thing for an hour and a half. So she's been, uh, 
She's, I'm sure she's upstairs disappointed right now. But, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, and, and I, I, I mean this when I tell you I'd love to be, do it again sometime. Okay. Um, I, I would love I, it. And take me up on that take me up on that coach for show up because I, I will hold him to it. He, he owes me one anyway, so lock lock him in lock him into your uh, your queue. Okay. Well I tell you what here. Uh hold hold the phone here for a couple of minutes and we can go into a little bit more detail with that. But until yeah. then I've got to wrap up the show here with the with the last plugs. Uh again we want to thank Cosac Chiropractic for their uh, sponsorship of the podcast. If you need anything from them, uh give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at four oh two nine six four uh, follow us on Twitter on a pen and a napkin. Coach, I would love a follow uh, on there once yeah, we're all yeah, done yeah, with yeah. all this. And, and, and same thing here. I, I talk leadership all the time on mine. So yep. I, I'm at I'm at Babe Quaz, B-A-B-E-K-W-A-S. I'm at Babe Quaz on Twitter if anybody ever wants to you know, follow, follow and get some, get some thoughts there too. So I, I followed you as soon as I heard you on that other podcast and listeners it's it's well worth the follow so jump on there again with the with the podcast download rate and review uh if you have any questions or any comments uh any suggestions a pin and a napkin at gmail.com uh coach uh, babe kwasniak from villa angeles st joseph out of cleveland ohio i would say our first venture out of the central time zone has been a rousing success coach and i and i couldn't have done this tonight without you so thanks so much for coming on so thank you thank you god bless america thank you coaches have a great night continue to hone your craft one day at a time and we'll talk to you all again soon 